Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning we're going to start with a question as we kind of dive into God's Word here. And here is the question for you. What's the lamest excuse you have ever heard or used? Think about that just for a moment. You know, and I thought about having you share with each other, but then I thought you, you might say the lamest excuse you've ever heard is from the person sitting next to you, and that could cause all kinds of conflict and issues. Uh, maybe I just won't go there, so you just think about it. Hold that in your own head, you know. Maybe your excuse is, you know, the poppy ate your homework, which could really happen in our house right now because we have a poppy who's eating and chewing on everything, especially on me. Ow. But lame excuses. I mean, we've all heard them. We've all used them. Let me give you some examples of lame excuses. This comes from the Landlord Protection Agency. It really is a group called that. Landlord Protection Agency. These are excuses from people whose rent is due. Here's one example. Let me get this straight. You only talk to me because my rent has not been paid? Is that all I am to you as a tenant? Well, maybe this one here. Well, we knew we weren't be able to pay uh, next month's rent, so we decided, why pay this month's rent? <laughs> I'm getting really tired of paying rent every month. Here's another one. Oh, this is just good. Uh, we'll pay you when we can. We're having a big party for my daughter's 16th birthday party and her friends, and we've got to buy a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one. Look, I know we owe you money, but don't worry. It won't be too long before we can pay you. We're getting a big refund from my wife's tattoo artist. He really messed up, and we're going to get a lot of cash back. Oh, and, and one more thing. Um, I won't be able to pay rent in July. Uh, I can't give you any details, but we're going to be in the Witness Protection Agency. Okay. Lame excuses, right? Again, we've all heard them. We've all used them. Don't look at the person sitting next to you now. But, you know, as we hear today's scripture, you know, in this parable that Jesus tells, it's called, you know, the great banquet, the great wedding feast, we hear these lame excuses. And whether we give those lame excuses to people that we know and love, whether we give those lame excuses to our teacher or to our boss or to the high police officer, um, you know, we have those excuses. But our theme for this month of February has been, won't you be my neighbor? And our theme verse from the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, verse 29. Let's read this together. Who is my neighbor? And we've been exploring who is our neighbor and what it means for us to live out this calling, as Jesus says, for us to be a neighbor. If you were here with us two weeks ago, we had this really fancy white sheet of paper that you folded, you know, and we made kind of this map. We had you map out three areas of, you know, our neighbors that we have from where we live, you know, your physical place, whether you live in an apartment or you live in dorms, live in, you know, in a house or... The other areas is work. I still haven't figured out, Chuck, you know, what that means when you retire. You know, but where you work or where you go to school at. 
And then the other area is where you play. That's all the non-work and living places, like whether you're taking kids to a sporting event, whether you go golfing or, you know, underwater scuba diving, basket weaving or something like that. Those other things in our lives that we do. And as we do that, you know, we think about those people that we associate with, those people who cross paths with ours and how God may be calling us to be a neighbor. And what does that mean? And then last week, you know, we talked about love because, you know, Valentine's Day was coming up. So we had to talk about love in 1 Corinthians 13 and really what it means for us to love. And, you know, we had that great big, you know, jar and we poured it full of shaving cream that just overflowed and talked about how God fills us with that, his love and his love is supposed to be overflowing in us. But today we're going to take, again, a look at this gospel text here. And let's just kind of put some of this in, in, into context as Jesus has been invited to dinner. Jesus was invited to dinner for a number of reasons, two main reasons. One, because in the culture of his day, you know, if you invited somebody who was important, somebody who was famous, it looked good on you. Probably not much different than today. And so Jesus was a well-known teacher. He was popular. I mean, there were thousands of people that were following him and listening to him. So the Pharisees, you know, and, and the experts in Moses' teaching, you know, they would invite Jesus over because it looked really good for them. Maybe even some of them wanted to listen in just a little bit more to what Jesus was saying. The other reason they tended to invite him is they tended to invite him because they wanted to set a trap. They wanted to set him up so they could catch him, breaking the law of Moses, call him out as a fraud, and never work for their favor. So they, this Pharisee invites Jesus over, and they're all dining together. This is the same text, if you're familiar with this text before this, where everybody's kind of trying to get for the best seat. You ever do that somewhere Try to get the best seat? You know, and Jesus seems to give these words of wisdom, that when you go to a dinner party, when you've been invited somewhere, don't take the best seat right next to the host, because you know what might happen? Somebody might come in just a little bit after you that's more important than you are, and guess where you're going to go? You're going to go to the kitty table. Have you been to the kitty table before? No? I was the only one. Oh, my goodness. But that, you know, you're going to lose your spot of position. It's going to be embarrassing. But then they're talking about this banquet, and then Jesus challenges his host by saying, you know, when you throw a banquet, when you have a celebration, he said, don't simply bring those who you know. I mean, the idea was in that culture, you would invite people who, you know, would make you look good, like Jesus. And they would maybe invite you back again. You know, they would give to you what you gave to them. Instead, Jesus says these words here, Luke 14, 13. Let's read this together. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the handicapped, the lame, and the blind. Because they have nothing to offer you, particularly in first century Palestine culture and society. They can offer you nothing in return. So Jesus is speaking this, this radical idea, and then he goes and he tells this parable. This parable about this guy who's going to have this great, big celebration, big party. Have you, how many of you like to go to parties? Yeah. How many don't like parties at all? How many of you just are sleeping right now and, you know, awake? <laughs> I, I, I didn't take, take a shower this morning and keep my hand down. Um, you know, the, the, they had this big party, and so they've been invited. In the culture here, the idea was that you were invited, and then 
the host would get a head count, kind of like we might do here, your RSVP, get a head count, how many are coming, so you know how many chickens, how many lambs you, know, you need to slaughter, and, and how, what kind of, you know, produce you're going to need for this celebration, how much wine you're going to need for this celebration. And so there's all this head count, everything's ready to go, and then he sends out the next invitation, kind of really saying, everything's ready, come to the feast, let's celebrate. And what do they do? They give lame excuses. They give these lame excuses. You know, and what's really amazing is that as they give these lame excuses, well, you know, probably to give you an idea of what that sounded like to Jesus, to the people that were gathered around him, I mean, this was not what would happen culturally. It sounded like, well, I kind of talk about a clip from a great movie, probably one of the best movies, The Princess Bride. Love that movie. And in this movie, if you're familiar with this movie, there, there's this guy, who um, Zini, who also plays the voice of, you know, the dinosaur on Toy Story, by the way, uh, Wallace Shawn. He has this one word that he loves to say again and again. If you know what that word is? Well, yeah, some of you know. You're going to find out in just a moment. There's one clip here where he says this, and I think in the minds of those that hear Jesus say that the guy has this big feast, you're going to come, I mean, he's a prominent guy, you're not going to come to this party, in fact, you're going to make a lame excuse, I just bought a field, I need to go watch it grow. I just bought oxen, I need to see what they do. You know, I just got married. Lame excuses. And this is how it was perceived by those who first heard Jesus tell this parable. Did you get that? It would be what? Absolutely, totally, in all other ways, inconceivable that you would be invited to a dinner, a celebration, and that you would reject the invitation. It would be absolutely, totally, in all other ways, inconceivable that a person would throw a party and then would go out and invite those who cannot repay him. The blind, the handicapped, you see, what we see in this wedding banquet is God's grace. As in all the parables, you know, the one that is the host here is God. God is the one that is throwing this celebration, this feast. And the ones that are invited are unworthy, undeserving of the invitation. They have nothing to offer it. Just like you and me. We receive the invitation to celebrate with our God and we have nothing to offer. We are undeserving. Yet God invites us. God's grace, His invitation to us determines and shapes our invitation of others. 
His welcoming us at his table determines and shapes how we welcome others. Now, let's see if you kind of caught something here. In this text here, verse 13, you know, we have the, um, Jesus saying, you know, when you throw a party, don't just invite the people you know, the people who can pay you back. Go and invite, you know, those who may seem undeserving, people who cannot repay, people who have nothing to offer you. And then as the parable goes on, in verse 21, we all have almost the same words in this parable that the host sends out his servant. And I love how it says the servant runs. But verse 21, let's read this together. He told his servant, run to every street and alley in the city. Bring back the poor, the handicapped, the blind, and the name. You know, this, this celebration, this imitation that we have in God's grace, an imitation through our Savior Jesus Christ, because we are not worthy. We have nothing to offer our God, yet our God invites us. He welcomes us. He welcomes you to his table, to the celebration. And this, this idea of, of a celebration with God was nothing new for God's people. And Isaiah's got a beautiful description of what this celebration is like. You know, this, this feast where there's all kinds of food and, and great wine, and it's just going to be a wonderful time as we party it up with God. And this invitation is what Jesus is getting at. This invitation, it shapes and determines how we welcome others. That we welcome others as God has welcomed us. God has welcomed us in his grace, not because of who we are, not because of what we have to offer. He welcomes us because he loves us. And as we talk about, you know, what it means then to be a neighbor, what it means for us to share in what God has given to us. You see, God's grace, the social norm, is to invite those who can invite you. And we are those that are poor and handicapped, lame and blind in this parable of the great wedding banquet. God welcomes us, undeserving, unimportant. God loves us. And here, as, as Luke, again, in verse 13 and 21, the only place that he does this, makes this connection between this actual event and to this parable and the invitation that we have and the call that we have to invite others. You see, what happens in Jesus' day, and it can happen here in our day as well, there is risk involved in being with those that you maybe don't know, your family and friends. To invite someone to a meal in Jesus' time was an expression of association with them. is a way of identifying with them. Probably the strongest word language we have in our, our Christian language is the word fellowship. So Jesus is calling us to have fellowship with those who aren't necessarily like us, who may not look like us or think like us, who may have nothing to offer us. And that's why Jesus' eating, this habit that he had with eating with the tax collectors and sinners, was scandalous in his days. But Jesus was less concerned with you know, theology and, and, and rightness as he was in relationships, especially helping people understand the relationship that God longed to have with them in his love. An invitation to the table says, you know, step into my life. 
an invitation to the table says, as our theme is, you know, won't you be my neighbor? So, you know, we are moving towards a day when we will all sit around God's celebration, his great table. So the question for us is how do our tables compare? And, and how can our tables become an environment in which relationships can begin and conversations can start to move? And they can move people from our table to his table. That as we welcome others, that they're experiencing God's welcoming grace. The call for Jesus in our lives is those who have nothing to offer, who are unworthy, undeserving, who've been called in his grace, is to go out and call others, to invite them, just like in the parable, to run and invite them to the celebration of our God, to his grace and his mercy. It reminds us that, you know, living this mission is not something that, you know, we clock in and clock out. It's not something that just happens on Sunday morning. It's not something when we do a church mission event. It's something that happens every day that we live. Because, you know, we've been kind of working on this for eight years now. Where's the mission field? Right under our feet, right? Wherever we are at, we are in the mission field. And that, that as we, we talk about this, and we talk about the mission field is wherever we are at, whether that's in our neighborhood where we live, whether that's in the areas that we work or in the areas that we play. There's something unique happens when you gather around a table. I'll give you an example. Valentine's Day, 2020, okay, two days ago. Um, you know, I, I like, you know, I know on Valentine's Day, I have learned years ago, it is so helpful if you plan ahead. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I went to the florist to get roses for my wife on Valentine's Day. And there's a long line of all these guys, and, and there was just like a few dried, withery kind of roses left behind a glass door. And, and I get up to the line, you know, and I, and I get my roses, and, and I go to the car, and this other guy's looking at his roses and looking at my roses. And I should tell you, I ordered my roses in advance. So my wife had a big, she had pink roses, big, beautiful dozen pink roses, which just smelled so wonderful. And his little rose, wilted and dying, he just couldn't understand why I had a big bunch of roses, because I planned ahead. But I couldn't do this for dinner because the place we wanted to go to, my wife says, I want to go back to Omaha, and I want to go to Los Solomillos in Omaha. It's an Italian restaurant. Ever been there before? Really good stuff. But they don't take reservations. Not just not on Valentine's Day. They just don't take reservations. So you know you're going to have to do what when you go there, especially on Valentine's Day? You're going to have to wait. We had to wait an hour and 20 minutes, they said. We have to wait. Oh, man, I was hungry when I got there. Thankfully, they said, oh, you know, we have a lounge upstairs, downstairs. We decided to go downstairs to the lounge. You get down there, and the place is packed. There's about one table, round table, with a couple sitting there and open seats. Thankfully, this guy invited us to come sit down with him. And thankfully, I also said, hey, Carl. And he looked at me for a second. He goes, Jim. Not too many people call me Jim. He's a fellow pastor over in Papillion, Carl Ziegler. So it's just kind of funny that he was there. His birthday, he was with his wife. But we sat down, we started visiting, and we had four more open spots. 
And so people were coming in, and we just said, come on, sit down with us. And we had had a big bottle of wine there, so we were sharing wine with each other and with them and hors d'oeuvres. And, you know, we started sharing our lives. And as they sat down, another couple sat down, this couple from Council Bluffs. And this couple, she was from Omaha. He was from Kentucky moving to Omaha. You know, he's a former Marine, and, and he's going to be working for Facebook and living in Springfield. You know, we, we were sharing life with each other. We were getting to know each other, opening our lives to each other. And that's much the same as it is for us as we welcome others with the welcome we have received from our God. God's welcome determines and shapes our welcome of others. Whether they think and look a lot like us or whether they think and look a lot different than we do. We welcome them with the grace that God has welcomed us. So here's a challenge for us as we go forward in this new week. The forward is simply this, or the challenge is this, to share a meal with your neighbor. Share a meal with your neighbor. Now again, you know, think neighbor, not just the guy across the street or across the hall, but the neighbor could be your next door neighbor. The neighbor could also be a co-worker or a classmate. It could be the you know, family that you sit by watching kids do their sporting event, that you might have you know, dinner with them or lunch with them, the co-worker that you might have lunch with or get a cup of coffee with. Maybe you have a progressive dinner in your neighborhood, maybe because at least for a few days this week the weather's going to be kind of nice. You stand outside and you visit you know, with your neighbors. Maybe you invite them over to your place. But you welcome them with the welcome that God has welcomed you. And hopefully, if you made that map two weeks ago and you wrote down the name of someone that you thought God might be calling you to you know, open up your life to and to, to share with them, that that name is still on your heart. And as God places the name of someone on your heart, that you say, Lord, help me this week to welcome someone. To welcome someone as I've been welcomed by you. To offer grace to someone the way you have offered grace to me. So the grace that we received is not only that we are welcomed, but now as ones who are welcomed, we are the ones who are welcoming others. We are the ones running and living and telling them wherever we are at that God welcomes them and loves them. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and we give you praise for the great gift of your love. We thank you and we praise you that you welcome us to your table. The Lord, as you welcome us, we know we don't deserve to come to your table. Even now, Lord, we're going to confess our sins. We're going to acknowledge we are unworthy. We're going to hear your words of grace. And in those words of grace and forgiveness, we're going to hear you're welcome to come to your table right now. We were gifted with you, Jesus, your body and blood broken and shed for us. And Lord, as you send us out into this new week, out into our community, into our neighborhoods, Lord, that you would send us out as those who welcome others with the grace that we have been welcomed with. We pray this, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.